What's up everybody, Travis McKenzie here again. I'm stoked to bring you day four of the I'm Curious to Know project, a series of conversations with incredible athletes, leaders, and innovators from across the endurance sports world. Today I'm joined by friend and mentor, Kevin Rutherford, the CEO of Noon Hydration. I'm always grateful for the time I get to spend with Kevin. We often talk about business and life, and today was no different. We discuss what it's like to lead a company in today's climate. We talk about managing an energetic team remotely and finding opportunities for growth and connection. Kevin is a servant leader who is gracious with his time and energy, and I'm grateful for both. I really hope you enjoy the show. Very excited to have dear friends and the CEO of Noon Hydration here with me, Kevin Rutherford, uh, from his office with the non uh, or the COVID hair growing in there. Kevin, how are you, mate? Uh, doing well. My hair is growing, so that's a good sign. <laughs> that is a good sign. <laughs> I like it. We uh, we had a bit of a catch up with my wife Lauren, uh, who you know well as well, before the call, and she was she was happy with the hair. So there you go. That's a that's a tick. Tick of approval. For those who are listening and joining us, uh, this is a part of the I'm Curious to Know project, a 31-day adventure of daily live streams that I'm having with world-class athletes, uh, innovators, and unique personalities from the endurance sports world. And I'm privileged to have Kevin here today. Kevin and I have got a you know pretty great relationship that started a few years ago now, which I'll go into. But I really want to dig in a little bit about business today. You've been a mentor of mine. You've been able to talk me through and help me through some of the business struggles um, that I've had since since starting my business. And you're the leader of a what I consider best-in-class product. So you're managing uh, teams, you're managing you know product development, you're managing the whole thing. And given the circumstances we're in, I just want to start by checking in with how are you doing? How are you doing as the leader of a company in times that we're facing right now. Thanks for asking. And it's it's great to be here. It's good to see your face, Trav. I don't see you enough, including this time. Obviously, we don't really see a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is great to see you. I am I'm doing really well, truthfully. And and I say that with uh with honestly a lot of humility because there's a lot of people not doing well um right now from health perspective to economically with with a obviously a really tough, tough situation going on around the country. Um, but, but I will say personally, I'm really fortunate. So I'm healthy. My wife, Kelly's healthy. Uh, our team at Noon Hydration's healthy. And we're all working and we're all moving forward and, and the business is, is actually doing quite well. So truthfully, I, I, I feel pretty privileged right at this moment in time. So, you know, you're a positive person and an optimist as it is. So I would imagine that whilst there is that you are doing really well i'm sure there's been challenges but i'd love to hear about how the business is doing my kind of estimation you know finger in the wind uh of your business right now is probably sports specialty sales are down event sales are definitely down because there's no events uh, i'm imagining direct to consumer platforms amazon um, and, and your own website is going well and potentially grocery can you tell me how close i am to to that estimation uh- what else do I say? <laughs> no, uh, you're you were right. You're you're spot on. I'll just give it a little bit of color on on all of the things that you just talked about. Our sports specialty business, you know, like the bike shops and the run shops, like Fleet Feet out there, or REI, obviously all struggling, all struggling. And uh, that part of our business obviously is 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 down significantly. I I'm just crossing my fingers that they can weather this storm, if you will, and and come through and and hopefully get through and start to build and get strength again. Uh, and and we'll be there for them once the 
are ready to get up and going again. Um, so that one, that one is down. Uh, that's true. Uh, on the digital side, you're right. That's where the strength is. That one continues to climb and do very well. Our DTC business, our marketing team is just on point. They're communicating what's relevant to the consumer at this moment in time. And um, e-commerce as well. We all know consumer macro shifts are happening. Our team is really dialed in. They they were already on this path. So it's pretty it's it's pretty exciting. The the part that concerns me for 2020 is when you talked about the races, you know, and, and what's happening there. So the audience out here is probably aware that any major race. I actually did the LA Marathon um, back at the beginning of March, and I think that might have been the last race in the United States um, mm -hmm. of like significant scale. I don't know what's going to happen in the fall. We're all planning for the fall, so just I don't want to send a mixed message of wait. So there's nothing happening. I don't know anything that anyone else doesn't know. Yeah. However, I also know what we all know, and it's I don't know if it's going to happen in 2020. It, it may not mm -hmm. be till 2021. I want to let you finish that thought around around the business, but I think that everyone's hopeful. I think everyone's hopeful that these events will happen, but then there's also yeah. this realism that sets in that, you know, we're approaching June, um, you know, social distancing is still a thing that we're most across the country is still experiencing. Um, I just don't see a way that we can bring 50,000, 1,000 people together to stand next to each other and breathe on each other and sweat on each other um, anytime soon, let alone 50,000 in New York and 30,000 in Boston, et cetera, et cetera. You, you know, you know here, here's something worth noting to give perspective, right, for, for folks out there. So, so we're now hearing, I think, NASCAR is starting again with no fans. I'm hearing golf may start. And I, I was actually talking to somebody um, within the NFL community a couple of weeks ago. They were saying, very good chance the season's going to start. Two weeks later, it looks like that's going to happen. But it won't it won't likely happen with fans. So that, again, speaks to the complexity of having so many people together. Mm -hmm. um, so you can manage, you know, 50 people or 100 people on a football field, meaning sidelines and on the field. But more than that, yeah, you just can't contain it. I know that your noon immunity product has been selling gangbusters because it's a daily product in our household and we haven't been able to get it for quite some time. So we're uh, happy that other people are finding the benefits of the immunity product, but also yep. sad that we can't continue to use it on a daily basis like we had been beforehand. So immunity is one of those products that uh, we launched, I think it's a little over two years ago. Um, I'm trying to remember the exact launch date. I don't know if I've ever told you this, but we take this approach when we um, address certain categories of where we want to go next. And it's all through the lens of really two things. One, hydration, optimal hydration. And two, it's about like our mission is empowering people to move more, right? So you're like, well, what does immunity have to do with that? Mm -hmm. Well, for empowering people to move more, it's basically hydration is a tool to help you get there. And so we were looking at the, call it the at rest occasions versus necessarily the sweat occasions and help boosting your immune system is only going to help you move more, stating the obvious. It's not necessarily when people are hydrating properly or necessarily getting the right nutrients. And so we looked at the category, which was, a couple of major competitors from some larger companies out there. And we looked at it and the question we asked is, if you had to start all over again, how would you do it? What we saw was this vitamin C arms race. I've got 1000 milligrams of vitamin C. I got 2000, I got 3000. The truth of the matter is vitamin C is important. So they were onto something. The reality is, is you can only absorb so much. To your point, what we did is we launched this immunity product saying we can do this better. And we're going to take a cocktail approach, a balance of ingredients. So, of course, electrolytes for hydration, but antioxidants in there. So, echinacea, vitamin C, of course, um, elderberry, 
And then we put in there um, anti-inflammatories like turmeric, ginger, um, among many other ingredients. And so that's how it started. And it did really well in year one. And then this year it was doing really well. And then the pandemic really hit and reactions started to happen in March, basically yeah. in, in around the world for that matter. And uh, it just surged. It, it just hit hit a point where people were really looking for something, maybe a little bit of desperation out of fear, which this won't cure COVID, to be clear. But what it will do is it will help strengthen your immune system so that hopefully if you do contract it, it might just make you a little bit stronger and fight through that. But the best part is hopefully is you just feel healthier and better every day. Yeah. And I love it. I'm with you. I'm, I'm addicted to yeah. immunity. You guys have done an amazing job over the last, call it two years. I actually remember even further back to that, you know, being in on a, a, a kitchen table beta testing of your REST product back in the day. You have done an amazing job of seeing opportunities in the market and providing solutions for your consumers that help them move more exactly to your mission. So the REST product has been one of them. The vitamins product has been another. The endurance product that you've released um, the immunity product that you've released, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I'm a clearly a, a noon fan and I can tell the story of how that all began, but I am also a, an avid consumer of your product. And I think you've provided a suite of solutions for people that they can go throughout the day and have everything they need as far as hydration goes. How much have you hydrated today, Trav? I'm constantly sipping. Sip, sip, sip versus gulp, gulp, gulp. I love it. That's awesome. Is it good to double drop? Am I okay to go two oh, tabs yeah. or is one tab better? Double tab? I don't think you need to double tab unless you are in a, call it a very dehydrated state. So a very dehydrated state could be, I've not replenished my hydration enough and I've been exercising a lot. So that's the healthy side. The not so healthy side is I might've had a little too much wine last night and I'm just not feeling my best. Double tab it, it'll spark you up and lift you up. And that's, you know, I have it here. The sport product is, is the double tab I'm referencing, not immunity in this case, because it's so high in electrolytes. So it doesn't hurt you, um, to be clear. But I don't think you need to double tab it all the time. And I think there's maybe a little misconception out there. It's like more is always better. It's not always better. Um, yeah. It's not necessary. I've alluded to my background uh, with Noon. So I'm going to tell that story. Uh, and then we have a couple of really great questions from the audience that I want to dive into as well. So I uh, was hit by a car in March of 2015 in Vancouver. Uh, I've told the story a few times on a, a number of different channels, so I won't go too far into it. But uh, I was in hospital for an extended period of time. I needed additional hydration to, to recover and, and all of those things, but I didn't want to have the extra calories. And up until that point, I hadn't experienced noon. Uh, and Lauren, my wife, bought in a, a tube. She's been a, you know, she's a user. Uh, and, 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 and a friend of mine also bought in a little six pack. Uh, and I religiously started drinking noon from that day forward. And I sent an, a, a tweet to Ariel, who was, uh, who still is um, leading the marketing team there and told her how much I love the product and thanks so much for whatever. And then uh, eventually got connected to you. So, and then that kind of legacy is like interwoven across many, many iterations over the years. But that's the, that was my first introduction into noon. So it, you know, it holds fond memories for me to have you guys support me in that time of need. I love that story <laughs> um, for many reasons, but um, you know, one, you got back on your feet, which is awesome. And it's amazing what you accomplished after that. And the fact that noon could be, you know, part of that journey for you um, is, is super cool. 
I also feel really privileged because I got to know you over time and you're such an awesome human and you've been really good to me and the team of help connecting us to different folks that would help us mm -hmm. just because, just because you wanted to help. That's just who you are. I appreciate that. Lance Kennedy, who's a, who's a great listener and watcher of the show is wondering where he can get this product. Yeah. I would normally say always start with your, you know, independent, you know, run shops and bike shops or REI. Unfortunately, that's not where you're going to find it today. I think the, the the best place for you to find it is if you are doing grocery shopping, most major grocery stores will carry it, whether that's Whole Foods, if you like to go to the natural stores and Sprouts to, my gosh, uh, you know, many of the, Kro the Kroger stores across the country, which is one of the largest chains. So there's there's many there. Online, of course, is a great spot. Amazon, noon.com. Yeah, you, you can find it just, uh, unfortunately for us in so many different places now. So it's 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 very accessible and more accessible than ever. Another dear friend of, of all of ours, Cody Royal, uh, is watching. Cody, uh, first question he has, which is on my list, so we think alike. Kevin, how are you dealing with the ups and downs of leadership during this time? The CEO of a company is being in a lon lonely position as it is now, physically isolated, away from the team, away from the ability to bring that energy. I know the Noon team very well, and you're a social group, so the ability to get together is, is, has always been important. So how are you managing that as a leader of the company? That's a good question. I think we're doing a good job, first of all, as a team culturally and communication wise. What a lot of people likely don't know about Noon is we are an early adopter of technology. You know, we were using Zoom and video conferencing for several years now. When the stay at home orders went into place and we we actually preempted it. We did it before. It actually was mandated by the governor of the state of Washington as an example. Um, we did it across the company for safety reasons. So we didn't miss a beat. Like we, we were already used to it. It's actually very rare for people on our team to do a phone call. It's all about video. You know, I will say this, there is something about a Zoom fatigue that that sets in. For me, like I I can be some days like several people on our team, Zoom, 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 meeting after meeting. And what's fascinating is by the end of the day, my I'm fried. Like my brain yeah. is fried. And I think it's maybe because you're just so all in in this moment right here. And maybe it's so structured in, in a weird kind of way. I don't know how else to describe it. It gives me energy to a certain point and then it starts, it's diminishing returns. And then I start to, I just get fried. And I know I'm not alone. I know others on the team feel that way. A couple of things that we're doing. I will say this, we try to find connection points for a bigger group to get together on Zoom virtually. And we do happy hours on Friday and some people join in, it's all optional. Uh, the other thing that we do, I will, I will, I'll share this idea with, with folks out there. I don't know if you can recreate the magic that we feel internally, but one of these things that we did before this, but we continued with, with Zoom um, and doing it in the virtual world, is our monthly town hall, which is the second Wednesday, I believe, of every month. We do something uh, called Mojo Moments. And I want to tell the story because it is one of the most impactful things I've ever experienced in my career and it happens once a month and it's my favorite part of the month every month. Yeah. And so what happens is we have we started, it's probably up to about a year and a half ago now, three people are nominated to say, what's your mojo moments? And it started, this is how it, the idea was. It's like, I just want more people to share psychological yeah. safety. I want more people to talk other than me. Tell us about what's giving you mojo. What's giving you mojo, whether it's new in your personal life, whatever that is. So the first three people that went blew our minds with how they presented themselves because it was a big deal to them. They're like, oh my gosh, I'm presenting in front of the whole company and they put all this effort into it. It was like jaw dropping, inspirational. Well, that set the tone. 
because then the, then those three people get to nominate one person each. So three more people. It was incredible, seriously. And to this day, a year and a half later, that continues. And so I think that is something where we all gather together on the town hall and we try to get more voices involved and yeah. sharing in personal connection. We miss being together. There's no question. We are planning our all company meeting, um, which is going to be in November. Uh, we did it last year in Sedona. And we are planning for that. You mentioned Arielle earlier. I think she and the marketing team do a, I think it's Monday mornings, but they do a, a Monday morning huddle to kind of kick off the week. And it's a little bit more about connection and just to get the juices flowing. And so there's some something about informal about that that I think is really working for them. Because I, you know, culture is alive. And then there's subcultures within the culture. So the marketing team has their own vibe as an example. You do an amazing job of allowing those subgroups to develop within the business and have strong leaders in place. Because um, I think a lot of people see CEOs as this all being, all seeing, all bearing personality that kind of has a hand in everything, which is not usually the case, especially as you grow bigger. And especially at noon, I've seen it in action where you've got amazing people in leadership positions who can create that subculture within the brand and give it its own personality and its own energy. And I know that, you know, you you all spend so much time on the road at events and half your business is in field marketing positions and they can't be at expos and events and getting people together for runs right now. How are you checking in on them and how are you making sure that those people who are usually gregarious, they're usually people who love to give a high five and a hug, how are they, you know, checking in to make sure they're okay? I hope they're doing okay. I, I'll tell you, here's some things that we are doing. So I don't know, but I assume they are, meaning I know they are healthy wise. The field marketing team is a good example because their role that you just described, they're going to events every weekend, talking to consumers and educating consumers, and they can't do that. Their job's basically gone. Yeah. Now, the good news is our business is doing well and everybody is working. Everyone's got a job. Everyone's finding different tasks to do in different projects and being flexible. So a couple of things that that we're doing to try to keep the team engaged is one, having them do different roles across the company and do project work. Um, so they're getting new skill sets and they're learning different parts of the organization. Um, I personally have done this. Um, this is not necessarily field marketing specific. So every other week, I basically reach out to seven-ish, seven, it's somewhere between seven and nine, randomly. I'm like, who do I not speak to on a frequent mm -hmm. basis? And so I will ping them. And of course, they're like, well, what does he want? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm in trouble. Kevin's reaching out to me. <laughs> and I purposely tell them, I'm like, I am. I just want to touch base and say, hi, I just want to be present. I have zero agenda. And I just want to ch check in to see how you're doing. And then we just chat for about 30 minutes. And I do that with, like I said, it's around seven to nine people every other week. So I did it last week. So I'll do it again next week. I think that's helping yeah. because it's helping me personally. I'm getting to kind of feel the vibe of what's going on out there. And like you said, we just have incredible leaders on our team that they're in tuned and they're, they're constantly giving the stoke. They're listening with empathy and, and, and moving forward. And empathy is key, right? Like make sure you have yeah. that. Jim um, asked a question, which I thought was really good. And I think we, we might've covered it, but how do you personally reach out and check on your employees to see how they're emotionally, mentally during, during this time, checking on things at work, not just, uh, but just in life. And I think that that's a, that's, that's part of the culture is you're a whole human being. It's not just work. It is fun. There's, you know, I remember doing a, a Ragnar relay race with one of the noon teams and, you know, seeing you guys at top golf after interbike one year and just having a good time together. So there's, you know, I definitely can, can vouch for the, 
uh, life outside of work element as well for fun. I will say another thing that I'm doing to come back to Jim's question then is this is a little more one-way communication because it's email. Um, it doesn't need to be. People can respond to me, but usually they, they don't. And I think it's more, it, sometimes it just goes with the title. And so what I would say is this is every Sunday night, I send out an email and call it the weekly COVID state of the union type thing. And I just basically talk about what's going on around the country from just a quick perspective, if they're not aware how that reflects and hits our business. And then in return, um, hopefully give them a little bit of hope and inspiration moving forward. And so I did that one last night. In fact, I reminded everyone this. Here's here's something interesting. for you. I don't remember this, the exact numbers on this one, but check this out. Silver lining with COVID. Our mission is to empower the world to move more. I was looking for some data because I had this hypothesis that people are actually exercising more. There's data to suggest that's true. This, this study that was um, put together was 13,000 people around the globe. And what they found was they bucketed it into three groups. They bucketed it into people that exercise once a week, people that exercise two to three times a week, and then people four or more. So you and I probably fall in the four or more. By the way, our group is actually down about something like 16%. Because you you can't maybe can't ride your bike as much, the pool is gone, the gym is gone, et cetera. But here's the exciting part. Seriously, this is, this is amazing. And I hope this creates new habits. And this was in my email to the, the company last night. Yep. Of the once a week, that group has increased something like 86%. Like it's a number somewhere almost close to double. And so instead of once a week, they're, they're doing it close to two times a week. And then the people two to three, they're up by close to 50%. I think it was a little under that. But it's amazing. Like people are actually yep. moving more. There's a silver lining. And that was an example of communication to the team to give them hope. A little bit more um, one-way communication, but it's another way to do it. I've made note of as I'm running around here, obviously everyone gives a wide berth, but everyone's waving now. You know me, I think I've talked to you about this before. I'm a chronic waver. I like anyone who's exercising, anyone who's walking their dog, anyone who's riding their bike, I'm like throwing out waves and high fives everywhere and everyone's throwing them back at me. So I feel like there's this element of kindness that's also kind of entered our ethos for the most part, which is nice. I agree with you. I love that. And I almost felt like there was a camaraderie of, I don't know you, we're waving and we're nodding or we're peace signing together because we're in this together. There's something we're all connected by that's bigger than all of us. And we all recognize it and feel it. I, I actually think that's another silver lining. That's really cool. I want to share a bit of a backstory between you and I. Uh, my wife, Lauren, and I came to visit you and your wife, Callie. We were kind of exploring Seattle and checking out some neighborhoods. And you were taking us to your favorite places. And then all of a sudden, Lauren decides that she wanted to go and have oysters. She's like, oh, this is, you guys had said there's this great oyster place. So uh, Lauren quickly agrees. We start walking there. And then I'm like, tapped her on the shoulder. I'm like, you can't eat oysters. And at that point, only That's our right. families knew that we were pregnant. So you guys, you and Kelly were the first people we told that we were pregnant. And we had to do it in the doorway of the oyster place to say, here's why we said yes. And here's why we're now saying no, we can't go inside. <laughs> I remember that. So you talked about the LA Marathon earlier and I was in town. I was on a business trip. I was on my way out. Um, I went to dinner at uh, one of my favorite restaurants in the world, Stella Bar in Santa Monica. And you and I were trying to get together and you were on the other side of town. Yep. We had a conversation while I was at the table. You weren't going to make it. And then who knew that the world kind of went to shit for the want of a better term very yep. soon after. And I've often thought, how great it would have been to have dinner with you that night and have a conversation like this 
it just didn't happen. But without regret, it would have been great to be able to have had that conversation with you. And that was the last time I've been to a restaurant was that night. Oh, gosh. Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't think about that. You're right. I remember distinctly where I was. I remember underestimating how close (laughs) I was because I was staying in Santa Monica, but I was at the convention center, which is basically downtown L.A., and I'm thinking, it's not that far. <laughs> oh, my yeah, God. Just around the corner. Yeah, it was way far, <laughs> way far. Well, um, nothing in LA is close. Unless you're in your, like, four block radius, you're not traveling anywhere. One funny story. So, speaking, so I'm, like, we're all about pushing the, the thought around more movement of um, human power over engine power. So what do I do? I hop on. First, I hopped on a... A scooter, which wasn't, I was actually engine power, so I'm kind of cheating there, but I hopped on a scooter thinking I'll take a scooter from Santa Monica to the convention center. Yeah. And then it died. Like it died. It, it ran out of juice. Like I could, I think I made it halfway. And then I started to walk and then I'm like, how long is this going to take? And I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> so it, it took, it took me like two hours, I think, to get to Santa Monica to this convention yeah. center. It was crazy. crazy. Now, I alluded in the in the kind of the pre-show and at the beginning that, you know, you've been a mentor to my, of mine. And we had an amazing meeting before I left Lululem in my last job. I came down and visited you guys in Seattle. We kind of plotted how we could get you guys involved in Seawees, which was the event that I was managing at the time for Lululemon. And then you've been someone that I've called on and kind of taken energy from as I've grown this business. And you've been able to provide me some great advice over time. And I think, you know, while I have you, I'm going to be selfish and kind of throw a couple of questions at you because it really is an interesting time. There, I'm seeing so much opportunity in our industry for people to be able to tell better stories, to kind of redefine what their brand means to them, to think about how they can activate their brand when they can't be in front of people. And these are all things that that we, you know, experts in and, and what we do in this business. But my challenge is how do I scale that? How do I scale my time and my energy and my expertise to help grow a team to be able to do the work that I feel good about? And I don't expect you to have the the direct answer, but it's something that I'm kind of like mulling over. And you've been able to grow a team. You've been able to grow a team effectively on a, a remote basis. You've found good people. You've found the right people. So any insight you can give me would be helpful. I don't know if I have the answer, but I'll I'll just give you some of my my thoughts. Is maybe think about like create that that vision, if you will. It sounds a little cliche, but. Like, what is the difference that you want to make out there? And like, what, like, make sure you're trying to get clarity on it as best you can. It could change. It could change. So for me, as an example, for us around movement, as we've expanded to different categories, uh, like immunity, we talked about earlier in the conversation, I am so clear with the team that we're all stay on our, our path of our mission of empowering more movement, because we believe that movement is one of the most important things you could do for personal health and we could eradicate prevention of several diseases like diabetes right we could we could eradicate it or for the most part eradicate it to some cancers to heart disease so i say that because you go what problem am i trying to solve what am i doing that and that that'll give you the drive right then my next thought goes this remember there's no shortcuts you may win the lottery and crush it all of a sudden because you tried something unique and it hit and it went viral but you can't plan for that so you need to keep pushing the boundaries and keep testing learning reapplying test learn reapply which is frustrating because again you want to get there faster but i i really think it's important that yourself and everyone really think through there are no shortcuts there really aren't 
again, unless you get the lottery and I would not yeah. plan for that. Then you start to break it into little bits and pieces and start to move forward to try to get to your vision. And I think you'll start to see the pathways. The optimist in me and in you will constantly see opportunities, which will allow you to progress and grow to get to that scalability that you're seeing, because you'll see the opportunities, you'll be looking for it and you'll be looking for, oh, wait, that's that's how I'll start to shift here. So, and by the way, that doesn't mean there aren't issues because you're like, oh, issue, how do I fix it? Oh, divert away and don't even go that direction. The pessimists will constantly see the issues and then they, they will really have a hard time getting to that scale because they'll be stuck in their same paths. And I think you'll see different ways. So it's not rocket science for sure. Our friend Cody, I think has a real, uh, his book is do what others won't. And, and I love that because that inflection point will push you to say, what is it that people aren't willing to do? And then take step, 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 build the bricks. And I think what others won't is a really good philosophy to build infuse in that, that thought process, which you do. Noon has evolved so much in my, it'll be seven years this year. When I came in, there was some things that I wanted to do differently. There's things that I had no idea that we were going to do that we're doing today. Like immunity, I had no idea. And immunity is one of the key scalability components of our product. I can also tell you this. Let me just give you one example of you don't know where it's going to go. When we went, we actually shifted, as you know, to an all-natural product. Mm -hmm. When we made that shift, I can tell you that there's a lot of naysayers out there, including it could be some stakeholders like, what are you doing? You're making this a small little natural product because they were worried about losing taste was actually with a big concern um, with the existing product. And we probably did take a step back on taste. Now we've got it back to, I think, taste is equal or better to where it was on the original noon. But what we did was we took a chance and we tried something and we continued to move forward. And we did it based on the vision of what we wanted to create and what we wanted a nutritional philosophy to be. And we didn't wait for perfection. We just right. moved forward and said, we're going for it. It's as, it's good enough. It's going the direction where we want to get to our vision. And so we made the move. Mm -hmm. And as soon as that launched, as soon as that launched, we were already working on, that was 2.0 noon. We were working on 3.0. You just have to constantly plan on reiteration. Everything you're talking about leads me back to this whole experience. You know, I, I have always wanted to be able to find a way to tell these stories better and more often. And for every other reason under the sun, it's like, you know, other opportunities, this is going on, time, busy, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to set in motion something that's meaningful to me, which is having conversations like this, which is bringing human stories to life, which is helping brands activate on their brand in, in a time of need. My experience as an athlete told me that consistency is key. So what better way to, to do all of those things than decide to show up every day at 3.30 p.m. Eastern time and have a conversation with someone for the entire month of May. Who knows where that will go and what will come of this. I know for sure I'm going to be better for this experience than what I was on the 30th of April. Yeah, for sure. I I get it. I get it. Think about how how what you achieved as an Ironman athlete and where you started and the path probably shifted many times to get to Kona as an example. And I don't think you would have known that that was the path until you kind of got there. And I, I just think there's a lot of analogies in our personal life and endurance and sports and team sports. So, you know, to kind of add some clarity to that, I probably had it in my head that I would go to Kona one day because my dad did it and I, you know, had some natural talent and it would, it felt like it would have been easier than it was to get there. And it took me <laughs> a lot longer than I had thought to have that yeah. because of life circumstances or whatever. So that was a good lesson of like, you have a goal and you're going to find a way to get there no matter how or, or you know, which way, which way it takes you 
there, you're going to get there at some point. You just have to kind of ride that path out. One of the things that um, when I talk about culture, um, as you were talking, it made me think of, I actually reflect back on myself many times after I've spoke to people, I had the chance to have the main stage and say, let me talk to you about why culture is alive and it's competitive advantage in every company. And then they self-reflect and go, am I doing this? It starts with belief, which is what you're saying. I believe I'm going to get to Kona. I'm going to get to Kona. I'm going to have absolute conviction with that. And everyone around you and your support team now has conviction with that because you can't do it alone. And then you got to start to create the mojo, right? So that first step. And then once you start to get the momentum, then you go, how do I accelerate? And then stuff happens. Yeah. And then you, yeah. then you need to adapt, right? And, th and then you adapt, repurpose, and then push forward again and bring it to the finish is the oversimplified way. But, it, but I actually think of that many times. I reflect on it a lot. It's going, do I actually believe on what we're going to do? Because if I don't believe with absolute conviction, how can anyone else? Yeah. Well, the biggest thing that stands out for me is like this one that you use, the action piece, because you can have as many ideas, you can sell as many stories as you want. You can tell yourself the same story over and over again. You can tell the people around you the same story over and over again. But unless you get into action around what, the, what you're saying you're going to do, none of it happens. I have one person I want to bring in here, Lyndall, who is a very, very dear friend of mine. We met in the early 2000s when I was describing this goal of mine to get to Kona and I thought it'd be easy and it took whatever, 13 years to get there. But big shout out to Lyndall. Um, lots of love. Hope you're doing well. I have three questions that I ask every day on, okay. on the show to round out the show. But before that, I want to hear your favorite mojo moment. So you've had many that have come up, people have come up on stage at your town hall meetings and they've shared their mojo moment. What's the one that stands out to you as being the most memorable? Oh my gosh. That, that means I basically have a lot of not favorites. How do I answer that? Uh, uh, no, well, that's, all that's... the others are great, but there's, I'm sure other people probably feel the same way about this. There might be one that sticks out in your mind and you're not, you know, you're not being. No, I'm, I, I know the team wouldn't take it that way. There really are so many. Like I, and I mean that genuinely, I'm not, the, the team knows this. It is my favorite part of the month is to Mojo Moments. I love, love, love them all. There are so many that were so touching, but one of them that was unexpected and amazing, uh, like, like many of them was Sheena in our finance team. So if she happens to hear this and she probably, she may or may not, but Sheena's story was so fascinating just to give you some perspective she right now her and her husband and their son live on a boat in seattle that basically it's docked over by ballard if you remember what that area was yep. of seattle yep. like they live on a boat um and in fact their son after living there now for a few years he's going when will we have like a real house mom <laughs> <laughs> But the the sense of adventure and journey that her and her husband took before they had a child and exploring around the world was so fascinating. And they're both, which nobody would know, are if you just talked with them because they never talk about it. But they're both exceptional athletes, endurance athletes. Like no, I don't think almost anyone had a clue. Ashina took through the life journey. What I think she really painted for everyone was possibility, have a sense of adventure, push yourself to, to things where you're uncomfortable and you'll learn so much about yourself and maybe your significant other, yeah. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully good. And so it's it, like her story was, I think, so unexpected. 
I think it was inspirational for all of us. What a cool way to get to know your coworkers as well. And people that, you know, as you said, unexpected, you show up every day, you say hi in the lunchroom or across the, the meeting table, but how often do you get a chance to actually really know them as people? So what a cool initiative. I genuinely had no idea it was going to be as magical as it is. I had no, no clue. There's a study that was done by Google and it was, I think it's about five years old right now. And they basically were trying to understand what creates high performance teams. And I'm absolutely obsessed with team performance and personal performance, right? Or like basically human performance, but how do we do it together? The study basically talked about psychological safety. This is how it actually happened. And psychological safety said that people felt like they could speak up. And how you made that happen was you have more voices around the table being listened to as opposed to always Kevin. And there were there were some other factors, but that was one of them. And I go, let's do that. And so let's create a mojo moment and more people are talking instead of me and or just me. So add it to the list. So uh, all the other things you talked about and the X factor of the things you can't plan for that are going to be game changers in whatever you're doing. So I'm curious to know, uh, this is the first question I have for you. What's okay. one thing that has happened or changed for you during isolation that you want to keep once we go back to whatever our new normal is? Daily walks with Kelly and the dogs. Um, we do it every weekend, but now we do it virtually every day. And sometimes it's early in the morning as well as at the end of the day. It's such a simple thing. I don't want to lose it. I, I want to keep it. It's, it. it's the greatest addition, the silver lining that I've had um, in the last couple of months. This second question, what is one thing that you thought was important before isolation that you're happy to leave in the past? It's not an absolute answer, but I will say this is really minimizing news intake. And I, I'm I'm not to be honest, like to be transparent. I actually think the the commentary around you know hashtag fake news it's it's that's that's not true. I think I don't want to put my meaning. I don't. There's some that's wrong and right, but I think that if you absorb too much of it, it's really unhealthy for your brain. I do tune into the daily news. I don't want to stick my head in the sand, and so I do want to learn. And through COVID, what's happened is I have been worried about the team's um, mental health. If you focus on what's happening around the pandemic all the time, mm -hmm. it's really going to hurt you. It's yeah. going to hurt you mentally. What I've done is I've said to the team, I don't want you to stick your head in the sand. I want you to tune in in the morning, tune in at the end of the day, figure out what's going on, close it up and focus on you and what's important to you. And by telling the team to do that, I'm a big believer in walking the talk. I found myself closing it up much more, not looking at it, not involving myself in it, just kind of daily routine, checking a little bit what's happened in the morning, end of the day, that's it. And, and focus on me. And I think it's actually made me, I actually think it's made me happier. In the beginning, when all this was starting and kicking off, I found myself scrolling for hours, looking at news and reading articles. And you go down this rabbit hole of too much information. And all of a sudden you kind of look up and you're like, holy shit, like, uh, you know, this is scary. If you believe everything you read and see, we're all doomed. So I made that conscious decision to to kind of shut it off and, and only seek it when I needed it and, and find what served me effectively and spent time being present and enjoying, you know, what, what we have, which has been my biggest thing to be able to be present and here with the family and like eat every meal together. I will never, I'm so grateful for that. Like to, to not have been on a plane and traveling in a way and all of those things that happen when you get busy and, and whatever, like that's one thing for me is 
that ability to sit down for every meal together and, and enjoy each other's company. So final question, what's been your most joyful moment during isolation? I, I don't know if I have a joyful moment, but I will say this, something <laughs> that I really appreciate, like I really, really, really appreciate, and I do it almost daily now through COVID that I worry will go up it will go away when we come through the other side of this. This is the the silver lining is our planet gets a chance to heal right now because our environmental impact is plummeted, yeah. right? I didn't realize how maybe not clean the air was. And I live in the Pacific Northwest, Seattle, like that's like pretty darn clean. Mm-hmm. And so you've been to our place, but it only blocks away when we go for our walks, we can see the mountain ranges. Now, when I look at the mountain ranges, the depth and dimension and the clarity is far beyond anything that I thought it was stunning before. Yeah. Now I'm going, oh my gosh, I don't ever want to lose that. I lo- And I, I purposely, that's one of the things with the walks, I can't wait to look at the mountains mm-hmm. because I know that there's going to come a day where it's not going to be that clear again. Beautiful. And we've, I think we've all probably seen the, the pictures of LA where you can now see the mountains in LA and you know the satellite images in China and the satellite images in Italy and across the world where, you know, it, it has opened up the air and there's so much good that has come from this and it's not to downplay or discount the, the horrible things that have happened and the really bad things, but it's important to acknowledge what we have and the, the, the gains we've made as well. We can come out stronger and better out of this. Agree. Kevin, this has been amazing. I feel like we can talk forever and uh, I hate to hate to cut it off, um, but I know you've got to get back to work. You've got to get back to your anniversary. Everyone else has got to get back to their lives, so we're going to let them do that. <laughs> um, but I really appreciate you joining me and, and anyone who's watching, anyone who watches the replay, um, please send me notes, send me thoughts, send me uh, feedback and comments. Tomorrow I'm going to have a good friend, Till Schenk, who's a, a German who lives in Girona, uh, and he on the weekend virtual Everested on Zwift. So he rode the equivalent of Everest, 29,000, 29 feet, or a touch over 9,000 meters of climbing whilst indoors in his apartment in Girona. So I'm going to hear firsthand from him what that experience was like. Tune in tomorrow to hear that. Kevin, you're a legend. I really appreciate the time uh, and the energy as always, and can't wait to connect more often than we do. Did all right back at you. Thank you, Trap. It's been awesome. Thanks so much for listening to the show. It was amazing to connect with Kevin again, and hopefully you enjoyed hearing some of the stories and the insights that we're able to share. If you enjoyed the show, please make sure you leave a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to your podcast. It will help like-minded endurance sports enthusiasts like yourself find the show. Also, make sure you tune in daily throughout May as I bring more conversations with amazing humans from the world of endurance sports. If you'd like to catch these discussions live, you can do so at 3.30 p.m. Eastern on the innervoice.life Facebook page. Thanks again for being here. I'm your host, Travis McKenzie, and this is the Inner Voice Podcast.